and I'm going to tell you the story about the birth of a monk and leaf. Now, I always wasn't a monk, as in Alan Monk. I was originally born Alan Miguel East. My mom had me when she was 18. She was a single mother because my father, Robert Rayburn, ran out before I was born. And so I spent a lot of time growing up with my grandparents, Nadine McLemore and Sterling McLemore. That's where I named my son Sterling from. Sterling ended up marrying my grandma whenever my grandpa passed away. So he was the father to my mom that my mom didn't have because when she was four years old, my grandpa passed away. So Sterling was pretty much the father figure of my life for about the first four or five years. And we grew up on Saxony Circle in Southwest Little Rock, also known as S-Dub, which I didn't know later until I was in junior high school. That was the nickname for where we were at. And I was about a block and a half away from McClellan High School. I went to church at Parkview Christian Church, which was a non-denominational church. And it was awesome because it was the only church I've ever been to where it welcomed like anybody off the street. Like you never knew who was going to be there on Sunday. And it was just a great experience. I wasn't really a religious person, but they had like a kids area and we would get to play pool hang out with all the other kids while like the main church session was going on. And we kind of did some churchy kind of stuff, but not really. We mostly just played. And then whenever it was, the church was over, there was almost always like this big banquet lunch in the cafeteria. So that was always awesome because I'd get to hang out with my friends all the time. And aside from my family, because of where we lived at in Little Rock, going to church on Sundays was about like my only social interaction with kids outside of my family. So until I was about four or five years old, that's about all I knew was hanging out in the house and in the backyard and going to church. About the time I was five years old, I got my first dog. I was going to school one morning and this dog just came running at us and jumped in our car. It was a little puppy without a collar. It looked like a mutt. It was covered in patches all over, gray, black, brown, white. It had these beautiful blue eyes and uh, lots of energy, so much energy that it needed more, I guess, and it got on the dashboard and started drinking my mom's like steaming hot coffee. We both thought it was really funny, and she dropped me off at school, preschool at that time, wasn't in school yet. I got to keep the dog. I came home, and it was still in my backyard. My mom put out a bunch of flyers, and it ended up, no one claimed it, and we didn't know what it was for the longest time, but... I named it Patch due to its, you know, colors. And after I graduated from preschool, which was uh, some Christian preschool somewhere off of, I think it was either Baseline or Gyre Springs. And uh, if you don't know about Gyre Springs, Gyre Springs was really popular back in the 90s. They would cruise up and down Gyre Springs, all the high school kids, a lot of people that were out of high school. It was just like a really popular like cruising street. It might have been in Gang Banging in the Rock. I can't remember, but that was an HBO special just about how hard Little Rock went. It was pretty wild. I never really looked it up because I got to live through that time, so I didn't really care about you know, what some documentary had to say. Like I saw it firsthand. But anyway, I lived not too far from Baseline and Gyre Springs and Chico Road. All that's pretty much the area of Little Rock that I would frequent. 
We'd go to Kroger whenever a carnival came around. My grandpa Sterling loved to go to CeCe's Pizza. He was an Italian. He had a dark tan. He always wore like flashy jewelry, gold nuggets. Like he was like a Guido to the max, like slick black hair, combed over like the half glasses, half shades, like fade going on, like just clean cut as fuck, like all the time. And he flipped Cadillacs. So his job on a daily basis, he sat at home and he drank Crown Royal and orange juice, which is a great mix, by the way, if you've never tried it. And he would buy Cadillacs and he'd fix them up. And that's how he met my grandma was the cars that he would buy. He would take them to the dealership and she worked as payroll at the dealership for a really long time. And he got to know pretty much everyone at the dealership because he was there all the time. And through building those relationships, they would do a lot of work for him for, you know, next to nothing. Cause he was bringing in every single car he had to that same dealership. He'd get it fixed up. He'd get the small things, you know, worked on. He'd put it out in the driveway. It'd sell every time put it in the paper, and he'd just flip cars. That's what he did. And he'd keep a pocket full of cash for, you know, gambling, taking my grandma out. He always made sure she had flowers and that they were going to Tunica or going somewhere nice, like go have fun all the time. And then he kept another pocket full of cash for just if he drove by and he saw some car for sale, he was going to buy it for as little as he could in cash right there and flip it. And so I kind of guess I always got my hustling uh, from my grandpa. He was always really happy, like light-mannered kind of guy. And I remember one time his Cadillac got stolen from CeCe's Pizza because he would always just pull up, leave his car running, go inside, get the pizza, come back out. And one day he came back out and the car was gone. And the only thing that he said about it that I remember was that at least Alan wasn't in the car with me that time. Because there were so many times that I would ride to the store with my grandpa, we would get pizza, and he'd leave me in the car, and he'd go in, get the pizza. And I, I don't remember if he got the car back, if he didn't get the car back. I just remember that in his mind, that's all that mattered. And to him, I was his pride and joy. So, flash forward a little bit, my mom, who wasn't around a whole, whole lot, because, I mean, she had me when she was 18, so, you know, she was still going through you know, growing up, maturing on her own. And so she had to, I guess, find a suitor, so to speak. And she met my my father, the guy who ended up becoming my dad, William Monk. We moved in with him when I was about six. In the process of them dating, he lived in a trailer out Sardis, like in the middle of nowhere, like in the woods, on the suburbs of Little Rock. Had these two giant Rottweilers. One of them's name was Chica. And he had one of those like gym ropes, like the big, thick, like climbing rope. I mean, it was like huge. And it probably went up like 30, 40 feet up into this tree. And him and his friends would always climb the rope and see who could climb up the rope the fastest or whatever. And there were a bunch of redneck deer hunters. And that was one of the things that they would do to shoot the shit. And anyway, these dogs learned how to climb this rope. And so it went from being something that the people did to something that we all watched the dogs like trying to climb the rope and I mean they would climb you know a good 15 feet in the air just using their mouths with this rope and it was gnarly but unfortunately uh, some neighbor asshole got tired of Chica getting into their trash and they put antifreeze in it maybe it was on purpose maybe it was an accident 
my dad felt like it was on purpose and he was pretty irate about it. But um, needless to say, Chica passed away. So that really sucked. And then shortly after that, uh, my dad lost his father and uh, he inherited the house that they lived in that he grew up in on Tulip Road. So he made sure it was okay with me. He asked me if, you know, my permission. And then he married my mom at Parkview Christian Church. It was a small reception, just me, him, um, his best friend, my mom's best friend, my mom, and the preacher that we all loved. And then, and back then, by the way, I was like cowboy boots wearing, like Texas uh, necktie, like the little metal thing, like pretty much a shoelace going through it. Yeah, I used to wear that kind of shit all the time, like tight jeans, button-up shirts. I thought I was like this little cowboy, pretty much only listen to country music. And my favorite movies were uh, Bloodsport and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And so I would just practice martial arts like all day, every day. And my grandma still talks about, like I was on the phone with her just the other day for her birthday. And she's 81 now. And she was telling me about how one of her best memories from back then was me doing the splits between two chairs like Jean-Claude Van Damme does in Bloodsport. And I told her that I was, you know, working on my yoga and that hopefully I'd be able to do it again for her sometime. So that's kind of a goal that I have at the moment would be to recreate my five-year-old flexibility. <laughs> but anyway, so we moved to the house on Tulip Road. And it was like everything you could dream of, uh, big white pillars out front, big backyard, uh, started going to, I can't remember if I went to Watson Elementary before we moved there or not, because it was around the time that I was six, like when I would start kindergarten, that I remember them like, you know, dating really heavily and getting married. So I might have already been going to Watson Elementary and living with my grandparents still during that time while my mom was still dating my dad, but I do remember first grade, second grade, and part of third grade were all at Cloverdale Elementary. And I had to walk to school by myself in Southwest Little Rock and walk home every single day. And my dad just was just like, look, we're less than a block away. Like, there's no reason for you to worry. Just walk to school. It's no big deal. You go down the street, you cross the next road, and you're there. And I remember like, I was pretty much grew up with like a free range parenting style. As long as I was back home before the street lights and as long as I got home right after school, I did my homework and my chores. I was like the best pooper scooper to ever scoop poop because I had to carry around this like big ass shovel, like big flat shovel and just scoop all the poop in the backyard. And my dad was like always training these beagles uh, for rabbit hunting. And then I had, you know, patch. And my dad told us that she was a Catahoula hound, which was pretty cool. She had a really unique personality, but she knew how to climb fences. So unless you had her in a kennel with a roof, she was going to escape. And she was an escape artist no matter what. And that was back before like people got their dogs fixed all the time. So like she'd get in heat and just take off. Well, not only was she smart about climbing fences, but she started getting the beagles to dig holes for her underneath the fence because she wasn't much of a digger, but the beagles were. And so they would dig holes for her and then she would escape, but the beagles would stay in because they knew better because they were trained by my dad, whereas Patch was just as free range as I was for the most part. Well, anyway, when I got my chores done, I could go anywhere up and down the street. Uh, my best friend across the street, his name was Michael, and he uh, 
played hella video games, and so we were like some Nintendo playing fools. The next best neighbor down the street that I remember was Kelly Adcock. I'm still friends with her now, and her dad was a police officer. And uh, it was really funny because my mom and dad like always smoked weed, and dude would come down to our house sometimes, and like he just never said anything about it. And it was just, to me, I knew, but my parents would act like I was stupid, and that I didn't know, but I knew. And um, there was definitely a time where my mom was like fresh smoking a joint and had the screen door open, and dude came up and you know started talking to her and just kind of had this smile but never said anything. And so they were really cool. And her best friend, actually, uh, Erica Holt, was my first, like, crush girlfriend or whatever. And I know it's, like, stupid. You're, like, six years old. But back then, I thought I was some, like, little lady killer. Like, I just love talking to girls. Now I don't have, like, any confidence in the world at all. But anyway, back then... I was like still all about martial arts and going to Cloverdale. I was like hanging out with Anthony Livingston was my best friend then at school. And he was always trying to teach me how to do like somersaults and backflips and like all this other shit. And it was a lot of fun. And that's where my dad started getting me into like Tiger Scouts and baseball. And every single weekend, like we would we would come home on, I'd come home from school on a Friday and dad would already have the truck packed up. Like the truck would be like completely loaded up, ready to go. And we would camp pretty much from the minute I got out of school Friday at Lake Washita until I had to be in school Monday morning. Like there were times that we would leave the campsite and go straight to drop me off at school. And like, I would still be sleeping, getting carried to the truck asleep and then get pretty much handed out like you're at school like go have fun it was awesome the downside about that was a lot of people would dive at Lake Washtaw and it was known for having a lot of these really big crystals so when I moved in over there they had this giant crystal like I mean I say giant it was like the size of a basketball and it would hold the front door open and my bedroom was right on the other side of the front door so there was times that the front door would be closed and that rock would still be like in the middle of the way and I would come walking out of my bedroom in the middle of the night, have to go to the bathroom, and I would just about like break my entire foot off. I'd be like bleeding, I'd be screaming, my parents would come in there thinking I just got shot or something, and I'd be like, the stupid rock, and it never moved. It was always there. It was just a gamble on whether or not I was going to get fucked up any given night on this rock. And so that kind of sucked, but I mean, it's kind of funny because it was a Little Rock and Little Rock that you know, did all the damage to me, not Little Rock itself. Long story short, uh, my dad, when he married my mom, he changed my name from Alan Miguel East because he was William Richard Monk Jr. and he wanted to carry on his name. His parents had all females. My grandma had all females. Like there was no one to carry the name on pretty much on like any side. Like no one was going to be an East and no one was going to be a Monk. But my dad, you know, asked me, if one, I wanted to be adopted by him, two, if he could marry my mom, and three, if I'd be willing to take on at least the Richard Monk part of his name. So I went from being Alan Miguel East to Alan Richard Monk, and it definitely took me a while to adjust to that when I would like sign my name on things, because I had spent so long practicing my name, and that was like one of the best things that my mom taught me. She was all about 
English, and even whenever she decided to go to college, she was a, a literature major. When I was really young, like she would always like just stay up, work on teaching me how to read, teaching me how to write, teaching me how to draw. Like those were all things that like my mom like solely taught me. Like no one else taught me those things more than my mom did. Even though I'd say like my grandma and my grandpa probably spent more time raising me up until the point that we moved out of their house. Because of that, because of that creativity and having like good, you know, reading comprehension skills and I like to read already, so by the time that I was in first grade, I think I was already going to the library all the time. I was already checking out every single martial arts book that I could possibly get my hands on. I wanted to be like the best master of martial arts it's like ever been. And my uncle at the time, uh, Bill Jones, he was like a big computer guy, big martial arts fan. He loved James Bond. He loved Bruce Lee. So he definitely taught me a lot on those regards. Anytime I'd go stay the night with them, because they didn't have kids at the time, and they would always like you know take me so that way my grandma wouldn't have to do it, or say my grandma and grandpa were going to Tunica, my mom was out partying, I'd go stay with my aunt Diane, and uh, she was like a developmental psychologist or something. She usually helped kids at, like Charter and Rivendell, and so her taking in any children at all in our family was like a commonplace thing. So I would go stay the night with them. Uncle Bill would show me you know Bruce Lee, Enter the Dragon. I got to see like pretty much every. 007 film that was out at the time. I could watch any of his movies. It, it's strange that like back then like there was no worry about like what a five-year-old watches or a six-year-old or any of that. Whereas like now everyone's like, uh, you can't watch those kind of things. It's too violent. It'll make you into these kind of people or whatever. But I feel like you're going to be how you're going to be regardless like what kind of influences you have around you. Like my mom would, you know, come to bed and, you know, tell me goodnight or whatever and smell like alcohol and smoke cigarettes and those two things are things I absolutely hate. So it's not necessarily what you grow up around, it's more of like who you choose to become. That's just my opinion, I guess. But anyway, by the time I got to second grade, they noticed that I was, I guess, above average intelligence to some extent or at least above average creativity. And so I got tested for gifted and talented. I got put in that. So. Second grade was like really cool because I'd get to get out of class, I'd get to like do all these things and I was around other people that had like the same kind of mindset as me. And so that was great because I got to, you know, practice growing like all the time. Like I was doing things aside from just your standard stuff. And because of that, I was like learning algebra. I was learning things like well advanced. So I remember getting brought into the sixth grade class when I was in third grade to teach the sixth graders how to do long division because they didn't understand long division and the teacher wanted to make an example about how this third grade kid could come in and like show them how it's done and I thought it was so funny but I didn't like recognize like like how well off I was at the time I was just being myself but the worst part about being myself and having you know cowboy boots and you know button-up shirts and you know being a goofy like big-eared little kid was that I would always get like picked on and people would call me names so I got to grow up like actually understanding what it felt like to be a minority. I didn't understand why like I was getting like so picked on or whatever, but I just knew that, you know, with everything I knew about martial arts that I just wasn't going to stand for it. And my dad always told me that as long as I didn't throw the first punch, I would never get in trouble when I got home. Well, that was a double-edged sword because I I was also really smart. So if somebody offended me in any way, I knew that I could offend them right back. 
And so I could actually sometimes use my words to antagonize the fight and then just beat the person up. And so I got in trouble a lot. Like I spent a lot of time in in-school suspension, out-of-school suspension, and um, what eventually ended up getting me like removed from you know Little Rock Public Schools was I had gotten in trouble and uh, got like sent to the cafeteria for all the kids that had been in trouble, you know, so many times, whatever, whatever. Like the principal himself was like going off on all of us. And this was back in the time whenever you could still get spankings and stuff. And so dude's like screaming at everyone, all this. And he's like, I want you to go home and tell your parents that I'm the HNIC. And if you don't know what that is, go look it up. But anyway, I come home and I tell my dad that dude's like yelling that at us. And my dad just went up there and got like infuriated. He was like, you're telling my son that you're the HNIC and you know good and damn well if he said that, he would never be allowed to go to your school again. Like, why would you even think that it's okay to go home, tell him to come home and tell me that? And basically they had this big long argument in in the school. My dad told the principal, you know, he wanted my entire file and that I wasn't gonna go to school there anymore. And my dad quit his job, sold the house, and we moved up here to Elkins. And that's where I'm gonna end the story for today. So thank you for listening. And as always, one love.